chapter 5. John chapter number 5. You guys glad to be in a warm building? Yeah, I, I've uh, definitely mentioned to my kids a couple times, thank God for a warm house on a cold night. And, uh, you know, you, c- you got one or two things you can do. You can complain about the price of propane. That's how we heat our house. Or you can just thank God for a warm house. Amen. Uh, all right, John chapter 5. And I want to say I appreciate you coming out, especially in the cold. Uh, and I'm going to tell you right now, if anyone gets an award today, it has to be Brother Steon because I know he hates this so much. All right, right now, you guys got to understand, he grew up, not, there's no sleigh bells and jingle bells and Frosty the Snowman where he grew up. He grew up where, where Christmas time was, you're swimming in a pool. It, it's, it's summertime in South Africa right now, guys. And so uh, Brother Steon gets the I didn't want to come to church, but I came anyways award for the day, amen. John chapter number five, it is going to be in the house of God, going to be saved, amen. Uh, we're going to go uh, again, pick up in verse number uh, twenty. Uh, 4, John chapter 5, verse 24, and uh, actually we're going to go back, excuse me, uh, verse number 22, uh, start there, and I'm going to read a couple verses now. Um, I, I want to do a little bit, just a smidgen of review from last week, just to make sure we're on the same page about a few things. Uh, I want to make very, very, very clear, uh, and I, I hope I did this last week, but I'm going to make sure I, I, re- I cover my, uh, my, uh, my tracks here. Uh, no born-again believer will be judged at the great white throne judgment, all right? That is not your judgment. The reason we're talking about it is because what people tend to do, so, so uh, in a lot of churches, uh, the judgment seat of Christ is something that's not even mentioned. Uh, it's something that's kind of an obscure topic, and so what most people do is they talk about a general judgment and a general resurrection and, and, and that, the reason why you do this is because it's actually in the Bible. John 5 uh, covers that. Uh, but I want to be clear, your judgment is not this judgment, all right? Uh, look at John chapter 5, verse number 22. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all, men should honor, uh, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. So when someone says, I believe in God, but not Jesus... Uh, they're not honoring the God that they say that they're honoring. All right, look at verse 24. Uh, I'll give you another example. Uh, we believe in, in, uh, in, in God, uh, but we believe that Jesus Christ is just a prophet. Uh, well, that's not what he says he is. Uh, and either he's lying or he's who he said he was. And we're going to talk about some witnesses that are found. And I, I love it when someone goes, I can't believe the Bible because there's no you know, uh, witness of the Bible. It's like, what are you talking about? That comes from, and I don't mean this to sound uh, uh, harsh, but it comes from a position of ignorance and just regurgitating what you read on the internet. Because when you get in the Bible, what you find out is that there are several witnesses uh, to the person of Jesus Christ. He did not just show up and start talking about himself. And by the way, that's the context of John 5. Uh, he's, he's, he's kind of, I would say this, he is validating his position very similarly to what Paul has to do. Uh, and what's interesting is about Jesus Christ and Paul, both of them today, to this day, there are people that say Jesus is not who he said he was, and Paul is not an apostle. And you know what both of those uh, individuals do? And I'm not saying Paul's on the same level of Jesus. He's not. Jesus Christ is our Savior. He's the Son of God, all right? I want to be very clear, but, but they both do that. You say, what, what for? Because there are those that are seeking to invalidate what God said through them by invalidating their position. Does that make sense? If I can knock you down, then everything that you said is, is also uh, invalid. And so uh, Jesus does this, like Paul does, where he talks about being an apostle in 2 Corinthians and other places as well. Look at uh, John 5, verse number 24. Verily, verily, 
I send you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Thank God for that. Verily, verily, I send you. Uh, by the way, verily, verily just means like saying uh, truly, truly. All right. Now you say, well, then why don't we update it? Because you don't need to update it. You need to find out what that definition is. Uh, you don't need to change the words. You just need to figure out, like, look, for, for real, uh, any Spanish-speaking people here today, all right? I know Brother uh, uh, Elvin knows exactly where I'm going with this, all right? Dime la verdad. All right, tell me the truth. Truth. Latin, veritas. Now, you kids in high school have been robbed. You guys used to learn Latin prefixes and suffixes and all kinds of stuff in school. They don't do that anymore. Uh, but, but basically what that means is the Lord saying, I'm, uh, I'm not just blowing smoke here. I'm not just wasting words. Verily, verily, truly, truly. Uh, I say, look what he says here in verse 25, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And they, now they're not going to hear, listen to what he said. They're not hearing the voice of the Father. They're hearing the voice of the Son of God. He's talking about himself. He's going to be the one that calls them up to judgment. Look at verse number 26. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and have given him what? Given him what? All right. Now, I know we've been through it. I'm not going to teach the lesson again, but let me just say this. If you want God to trust you with authority, submit where you're at already. I'm going to tell you right now, and I've said it before, and I will say it a million times over, the worst dictators are people that never learn to submit when they were following someone else. All right. And uh, you have to you got to get a hold of that. None of us like that. None of us like the idea that I need to submit when I get pulled over. I want to tell them, well, you're trying to meet a quota and you want a donut, (laughs) all that all that kind of stuff. You're raising a generation that has no regard for authority. You know why China and India are kicking your your kids butts in school? Because those kids are taught how to listen to authority. Uh, and if, if you don't, I don't, you say, well, you shouldn't say that. Well, I'm sorry. I just get a little fed. I get tired of seeing the world. Uh, listen, America and England used to be the ones that sent out the light all over the world. And now we're receiving it. You know why? Because you closed this book. And when you close this book, you know what you do? You disregard authority. And uh, there's a way to deal with authority. We talked about that last week. I'm not going to rehash it all. Uh, but uh, there's, there's all kinds of examples. You know what? Uh, uh, even the Lord Jesus Christ, I was listening to something uh, not that long ago about uh, how we as Christians should be setting up a kingdom here and how we should drive out those that disagree with us politically and blah, 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 blah. And what they're doing is they're taking the Old Testament and trying to apply it to a New Testament model, and it doesn't fit. All right, we're not Jews trying to go in and conquer the land of Canaan. All right. We are it, the church of God. You see, what is that? That's a spiritual kingdom, not a physical one. Well, anyways, the the idea is this. Uh, uh, You go in there and you start, you know, kind of overturning the government. Uh, You know what Jesus did? Not one time did he say, let's overthrow the government. The apostles do that? Nope. Uh, Did the early church do that? Nope. You know what their you know what their mission was? The gospel of Jesus Christ. And 2,000 years later, it should, I know you guys listen to, you know, it used to be Rush Limbaugh, he's dead now, Sean Hannity or Glenn Beck or whoever your fancy is, uh, uh, maybe it's Michael Knowles or any of those guys from Ben Shapiro and the, that group of people, whatever. Nothing wrong with all that, but I'm going to tell you, be real careful when you get to a place where Bible is used to justify the fact that you need to resist authority when there's no case for it. Now, I'll tell you where you resist authority. You resist authority when it goes against the authority of God. Look at Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Otherwise, you submit to it. 
Um, and I know I talked about this last week. You don't like your boss? Pray for your boss. Um, and you know what? Go to God and say, God, I've got so many great ideas. And I know how I can make this so much better than my boss. And you know what the Lord might say? The Lord might say, work harder, and you might eventually get that job. And when you get that job, you're going to find out there's going to be 10 other jack wagons underneath you saying they got better ideas than you. Amen. All right. So so r- when it comes to authority, make sure you approach it the right way. Uh, look at Acts chapter five and look down, if you would, at uh, verse number 25. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence for they feared the people. This is uh, Peter having uh, g- uh, been brought out of prison. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number uh, 27, when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, did not we, sh- now, hold on, who's, who's the high priest? The high priest is an authority, uh, a, a significant authority in Jewish culture, and by the way, the high priest in, in that day, they worked very closely with Roman government to make sure that they got what they needed out of their people, all right, so they didn't like the Roman government, but they put up with it, and they worked with them for the sake of having power. Now, look at verse uh, number 28. Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? What name? The name of Jesus. Uh, look at verse, uh, ver- rest of verse 28. And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Wouldn't it be a great thing if they said, man, I wish you guys would just quit filling Aurora with Jesus' doctrine? Wouldn't that be great? Uh, uh, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us? No, you did that on your own. We don't intend to bring his blood upon you. You're the ones that shouted uh, his blood be upon us and upon our children. Now look at verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey who? rather than men now look there there comes a point where you have to do that but you're going to notice peter never incites a, 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 an insurrection peter never tries to fight now you know what peter learned from the incident in the garden i was fighting for the wrong kingdom i was fighting for a literal physical kingdom when jesus christ was arrested and i learned my lesson and now you know what i'm in a spiritual kingdom i'm not going to be fighting anyone physically i'll let god take care of that my position though is this when authority tells me to do something against the Bible, that's when I have to make a decision to go, okay, well, the authority said this, but God, the, one, the reason they have authority is because God gave it to them, and therefore, if they're abusing that authority and telling me to go against God's authority, I have to obey God over man. Make sense? All right, so when you get pulled over for going 80 and a 55, uh, and you start, you know, telling them, you know, uh, I don't have to present my license, you know, I'm a free citizen, and I've, all that stuff that you see on the internet and all that garbage... Do me a favor, take your New Heights Baptist Church sticker off, (laughs) Uh, if you're going to do that, right? Uh, You say, why? Because there's a certain way to approach authority, and that's not it. Um, You'll notice, and we won't go back there, but uh, you know what those, uh, we mentioned last, those those Hebrew boys, go back to John 5, uh, when they're told what to do and how to, they have to bow down before Nebuchadnezzar's image and all that, uh, they said, O king, O king, you say it was a matter of respect for the authority that was there. Um, and you say, what what does that show you? Well, even when you disagree with them, there's a way to approach it, Uh, and your culture's kind of gone sideways on that, Uh, real, real bad. Look at uh, John chapter 5, verse number uh, 28. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. Whose voice? The Son of God. Back back in uh, verse number 25. Uh, look at uh, verse number 29, and they shall come forth, they that, and I want you to underline, that, uh, underline this, the next two words, they that have what? Done good. Under the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil, under the resurrection of damnation. 
I can of mine own self do nothing as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Father, ask your blessing on the word this morning as we go through it verse by verse. Lord, I pray that uh, you give us the right spirit, the right mind, Lord, to put out the things of this world. And uh, I'm sure, Lord, some folks came in here with some burdens and things that they're dealing with. And Lord, I pray that you feed them and speak to them. And Lord, all those that are, are sick and couldn't make it in this morning, bless them as well. Lord, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit, Lord, would preside over this service and the next. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, let me, let me just say this much. Uh, look at verse number, we talked about this, going back to verse number uh, 21 and uh, 22 and 23. And we talked about this in reference to judgment. And uh, we talked about the fact that there is a general resurrection. We talked about how resurrection is connected with judgment. Uh, and we looked at Daniel chapter 12 and how Daniel 12 connects very closely to John chapter 5, verse 29. Now, I do want to be clear and look at verse 29 again, because those thoughts are connected. What you're reading in verses 21, 22, 23 are connected with verse 29. They're the same judgment is what I'm getting at. And, and way to understand is that the Jews understood there was a general resurrection. There was going to be a general judgment based on what? Uh, based on whether they had done good or whether they had done evil. Now, uh, listen, the Bible says, according to uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 Corinthians 3, uh, that you're going to receive the things done in your body, whether they be good or evil. But those things are done in your body, and that's the judgment seat of Christ. All right? That's called the day of Christ in other places as well. Uh, Paul talks about that. He talks about the fact that uh, all those that love the appearing of Jesus Christ will receive a crown. And, and he says this, not to me only, but unto them also the love is appearing in that day. What day? When the Lord calls us out of here and we stand before him. All right. Now, that's different than this over here. This over here was a judgment they all knew about uh, from the Old Testament. And it's based it's based off of whether they had done good or done evil based off of what this over here, the law. Now, if you don't believe that, look at John chapter number one. Look at John chapter one. John chapter one. And brother, if you can go to the next slide for us, because they're kind of connected. Uh, John chapter one. Look at uh, verse number. Uh, that's not it. I'm looking for the verse. I had it written down wrong. Uh, uh, law came by Moses. Uh, the grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It'd be somewhere in the teens, I believe. 17. Thank you. Uh, for the law was given by Moses. Uh, and, of course, Moses is associated with the law, but it's the law of God. That's what uh, Paul calls it in Romans chapter 2 and 3. Uh, the law was given by Moses, but look at this, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, let me just be clear. That doesn't mean truth never existed before he showed up. Uh, that also doesn't mean that grace never existed. The Bible says in Genesis chapter number 6, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. All right, so what he's talking about is in reference to salvation. All right, uh, listen, uh, the law was over here. And this is what had to be followed in the Old Testament. And when you sinned, there was a sacrifice. You say, what would that do? Well, it would atone. It would cover it. And then guess what? You had to go bring in a sacrifice the next time you sin. And the next time you sin. And the next time you sin. If you trespass, so there's a trespass offering. And there's, there's a burn offering as well. There's all these different offerings set up for different reasons in the Old Testament. Uh, but I want to be very, very clear. It is not the same over here as it is over here. All right? Uh, and the reason I mention that is because the judgments are different. All right. And the reason why your sin's not going to be judged is because of this over here. Uh, there's a you might remember and if you can't see it way back there, I'll try to explain what's up here. Uh, but you might remember the two thieves on the cross. 
And you might remember that when they, it both, they both started out, they were both uh, casting into the teeth. That's what the Bible, the terminology that's used, uh, uh, basically accusations. And they were railing against Jesus Christ. And as that day went on, in just a short manner of time, just a few hours, there's one of those thieves that has a heart that's repentant. And he looks at Jesus and he goes, that guy's not like me. That guy, I, I'm wrong for saying anything against him. And he looks over to him, and you might remember, he says, uh, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus looks back at him and says, Today thou shalt be with me where? In paradise. Now, now that's important. He did not say, you're going to be at the, at the right hand of God the Father with me. He said, you're going to be in paradise. You say, well, what, why is that significant? Well, uh, we'll look at it in just a moment, but just keep that in mind. He says paradise. Now, in light of all of that, you know what this man had? That man that, that repented and said uh, Jesus is right and we're wrong, he had sin inside of him. But guess what? He no longer had it on him because now it was placed on Jesus. That's what happens when you get saved, by the way. All right? Now, this guy over here, he had sin in him. He had sin on him. So guess where he goes? He goes to hell. And Jesus Christ had no sin in him, but he had our sin on him. And he's the only one who could ever do that and come out sinless. Amen. Uh, now, the idea is this uh, in the Old Testament. Look, you got to understand this. They go to a different place when they die than you do. They have a different judgment than you do. All right. You say, well, why, why doesn't our sin judge in the future? Your sin's judged right here at the cross of Calvary. That's why you don't have to face it later on. All right. But you will face the deeds done in the body, whether they be good or evil. Now, the context of this is how you live the Christian life. And I'm not trying to do a complete study on all the judgment. I'm just trying to explain a little bit. Uh, but this is basically you as a servant, all right? You as, as uh, someone that has the opportunity to serve, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, uh, and your Savior, what do you do with those opportunities? And why do you do with them what you do with them? Or why do you not do with them what you don't do with them? Uh, why do you get involved? Why do you not get involved? Well, they don't appreciate me. That's a terrible reason to not get involved. That's, your, that's a bad motive. If you don't get involved, you know what, the oper- you know what your answer should be? Because God didn't tell me to. That's the right answer. All right? If you get involved, you know, what, you know why you should do it? Well, because I want them to notice me. Wrong motive. You won't get anything out of it. I want them to appreciate me. Wrong motive. You won't get anything out of it when you get there. You say, what's the right motive? The right motive is I want to put a smile on my Savior's face. And I love him. And, 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 and I, I, I look at him when I get alone with, with him in the word of God and I see everything he's done for me and I see how, how wonderful and how beautiful and glorious he is. It's the least that I can do. Right. That's the right approach. All right. That's the judgment seat of Christ. Now, uh, over here, it's a little bit different. And what you what you're seeing is this. They're looking forward to something over here and they're bypassing all of this. You say, why? Uh, look, if you would, at First Corinthians chapter number 15, First Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And remember, he talks about believing on him that has sent me. You see, what is that? Placing your faith on someone. And, and by the way, it is not a matter when you got saved. You did not get saved by believing in Jesus. Okay? You got saved by believing on Jesus. And you may say, well, they're the same thing. Not exactly. Uh, the devil believes in Jesus. All right? There are children that believe in Santa Claus. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like, did I just offend somebody because I'm not trying to? All right. Uh, there are people that believe all kinds. of. Now, now what's going to save you is not believing in Jesus. The devils believe and tremble. What's going to save you is believing on Jesus Christ. 
uh, when, when that uh, Philippian jailer says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul doesn't say believe in Jesus. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, what are you doing when you do that? What I'm doing when I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is I'm taking my sin and, and I'm saying, you know what? Uh, my self-righteousness and my sin, I can't bear that. Lord, you said you died for me because you loved me. You were buried for me and you rose again. Lord, I'm going I'm to put my sin on you because you can bear it. And I'm going to trust you for my salvation. It's a matter of reliance. It's a matter of leaning on. It's not a matter of just intellectually saying, I believe in the care. I believe in George Washington. I believe in Abraham Lincoln. I believe in Martin Luther King Jr. I believe in all kinds of historical figures, but I don't believe on any of those men to save my soul, right? And so this is what New Testament salvation is all about. Uh, and in John chapter 5, we're seeing some delineations, if you will, between those two thoughts. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And notice what Paul says in regards to the rapture. You say, why is this important? Because we're talking about judgment and resurrections. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, look at, if you would, at verse number 58. I'm sorry, 51. Behold, I show you a what? You know what that means? Nobody knew it before. <laughs> it wasn't revealed. You know what they understood from the Old Testament? They didn't understand uh, Paul's writings. Paul reveals that in the New Testament. You know what they understood from the Old Testament perspective? They understood there was going to be a final judgment. And when you talk to most lost people, you talk to most uh, religious, even religious people, and you talk to them about judgment, you know what they mostly think of? They think of this over here. When you start talking to someone and go, so you think your good works, you're hoping your good works outweigh your bad. What they're hoping for is that this turns out okay for them. Let me tell you right now, if you're alive right now and your hope is that your good works outweigh your bad, when you get there, you're in trouble. All right? Uh, and again, what you have to keep in mind, though, is however, all right, little, little P.S., there were people that, that, again, come through the tribulation, come through the millennium, and they've got to face judgment. And some of them are righteous. You say, what do they do? They did good, according to what God told them. All right? That's different than this over here. That's different than you, the church. All right? Uh, look, if you would, at, uh, uh, let's just go back to John, John chapter 5. Go to John chapter 5. I want to show you something real quickly here. John 5. No, 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 wrong, wrong. Galatians 2, Galatians 2, Galatians 2. You guys, were you guys already there? Did you have to go back? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's good for your hands, though, just back and forth. Galatians chapter 2. Uh, now, back in the 80s, there was a slogan, let your fingers do the walking. Anybody remember that? Remember that? Okay. All right. Uh, it, was with a, it was with the yellow pages. You guys remember the symbol? If you remember the symbol, would you just raise your hand and make me feel like I'm not alone? Okay. All right, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, raise your hand right now. Okay, good, good, all right. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, let your fingers do the walking this morning in the Bible. Galatians chapter 2, look if you would at verse number uh, 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. All right, now this is, this is a New Testament perspective, and you have to get a hold of that. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what you have to get a hold of. You couldn't have faith in someone that was not yet manifested. Are you with me so far? John's ministry is to manifest Jesus Christ. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because I'm trying to get you to understand that the reason why they went to a different place in the Old Testament, and the reason why they're going to face a different judgment than you born-again believers will, is because what they had is different than what you have. It's not a matter of saying that uh, back then they could be saved like you were, but under the law. That's impossible. You can't have that. 
Uh, but you need to understand that they were justified, and I'm going to show you this in a moment, according to the law. They were, by what they did with the law. Look at uh, Galatians 2, verse 16. But by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, and we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, keep in mind uh, that Paul writes this after the revelation of the New Testament. You don't have anyone talking that way in the Old Testament. Uh, look at, uh, oh, let's see here, uh, Luke chapter 16. Go to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. And then we'll go to James. Luke chapter 16. You get saved today by grace through faith. Plus nothing. All right? Uh, and keep this in mind as well. The standard of righteousness in the Old Testament, do you know what it is? It's, it's the law. It's, it's the schoolmaster that eventually brings someone to Christ. Now, what you have to understand is I say eventually because Christ has to be there to be brought to him. All right? In the Old Testament, they're following the law as their righteousness. And I'll show you that in a little bit as well. But when someone died in the Old Testament, look at Luke chapter 16. They didn't immediately go to, 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 to heaven. You need to understand that, that paradise was in the heart of the earth. And according to Luke 16, look at uh, verse number uh, 19 to see the context. This is the rich man and Lazarus and all that stuff. Uh, he, he dies. Look at uh, verse number 20. The, the beggar dies. And uh, uh, verse number 22. And he's carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also dies and he's buried. But look at verse 23 about the rich man. And in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments. And see Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cries, so on and so forth. Look what Abraham says. Uh, uh, verse number 25. But Abraham said, Son, remember thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. Likewise, uh, Lazarus evil things. Now he is comforted. Thou art tormented. And beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass us that would come from thence. The idea is this. In the Old Testament, what you had in the heart of the earth, doesn't the Bible say, Jesus Christ says, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth? All right, so when he dies, where does he go? What does he do? Uh, according to uh, Peter and others, what he does, he goes down there, and I'm going to I'm gonna kind of draw a line here. There's a gulf, there's a chasm, there's a separation, if you will, between what we would call hell and what they knew as paradise or Abraham's bosom. So when Jesus Christ goes there, he preaches to the spirits that are in prison. And of course, the Bible says, Ephesians 4, he led captivity captive and brings the, those that are in paradise up. And now when Paul talks about paradise, look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, when Paul talks about paradise, it's no longer in the heart of the earth. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Why? Because the Lord led captivity captive. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12. This is why when someone tells you it's all the same from Genesis to Revelation, they're not, they're either not, it's not an intellectually honest statement. It's either made out of ignorance or it's made out of deception. And I'm not going to tell you who's who when someone says that, but I'll just say this much. Uh, that's not an honest statement. It's not the same. Uh, look at Second uh, Corinthians 12 and look if you would at verse number one. It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, wink, wink, he's talking about himself, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such an one caught up to the what? Third heaven. Third heaven. All right, well, look what he says in verse 4, how that he was caught up into what? So you know what you have now? In the third heaven where God's presence is, that's where paradise is now. 
All right, first heaven, you say, what's that? That's the birds. You see that? That's a bird. If you can't tell, that's a bird right there, right? That's the best art you're ever going to see in your life on a bird, all right? And number two, you say, what is this? Not pimples, those are stars, all right? That's the second heaven, all right? And the third heaven, we're just going to leave blank because that's the presence of God himself, all right? But the idea is this, is that when Paul writes about this experience, at that point already, paradise is no longer in the heart of the earth. Why? Because when the Lord came down and was buried and he came and preached to those spirits that were in prison, he, let, he brought captivity captive and brought them up. And those that were here went up to heaven. You say, why? Because the blood had been shed to allow them to do that. Yeah. All right. Now, you know what happens when they're taken out? <laughs> Making room for more. That's a tragedy, but it's the reality. Now, why am I showing you all this? Well, I'm showing you all this is because I want you to understand when you read in John 5, 29, they that did good to the resurrection of, of, of life and they that did evil to the resurrection of damnation, all that stuff. I want you to know you don't need to twist it and make it say something it doesn't say. Read it like it is. All right. And understand from the Old Testament perspective. And this is during the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, the Lord is talking about this, uh, about something that they would understand. They would understand, those Old Testament Jews would understand this principle. All right, now uh, look at Ezekiel chapter 18, and then we'll look at James chapter 2. Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18. It's making sense? All right, you can nod, you can shake your head, you can go maybe some of it, I don't know. Uh, Ezekiel chapter number 18 uh, the, the idea is this, uh, you want to be real careful about trying to infuse New Testament doctrine into every aspect of the Bible. Uh, it's like trying to make something fit that doesn't fit, um, and you don't want to do that. Uh, John, chapter, I've, I've done this before, where I'm assembling something from Ikea or something else, and it's the wrong thing, and I'm going to make it just twist it on anyways, and, and uh, it looks good for a little bit, and then it falls apart. And that's what doctrine is like. When you take something and try to squeeze it onto something that doesn't fit, it's going to make a mess of things. And the Bible calls that resting the scriptures to your destruction. Now look at Ezekiel 18, and look, if you would, at verse number uh, 19. Ye say ye, why? Doth not the Son bear the iniquity of the Father? When the Son hath done that which is lawful and right, and hath kept all my statutes, and hath done them, he shall surely live. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now you should underline the soul that sinneth. And the reason you ought to underline that is because, you know what, you have the opportunity. This is wild to me. I love this because when I read this, you know, all I can think of is, thank God I wasn't born in the Old Testament, honestly. Uh, because when you look at what you get, one of, the, one of the greatest blessings of being in Christ as a believer today is that your soul is clean and cannot sin. Now, I sin every day in the flesh, but my soul is untouched. My soul is clean. It is justified in the sight of God. And if you're not familiar with it, we won't go over there. But Colossians 2 talks about a circumcision that takes place when you get saved. It's called the operation of God. And to be clear, we're in mixed company. I'm not talking about a physical one, a spiritual one where God separates your flesh from your soul. The old nature from the new nature, right? That's why there's that battle that constantly goes on. You know what? One of the greatest evidences of the fact that your soul is now clean the sight of God is there is a battle. Listen, under the old, before you were saved, there's no battle. You just do whatever you want to do. And now that you're saved, the Spirit of God is leading you and it will say, don't do that. That's the old nature, the, the flesh. It goes, I want it. I don't care. Maybe just one more time. And the new nature says, don't do it. You say, what's that? Your soul can't sin, but your flesh can. 
And so uh, in the Old Testament, you say, and look, not just Old Testament, before you're saved, your soul sins. Whatever you touch, you ever, you ever think about this, guys? You ever wonder why uh, in the Old Testament uh, they had all these rituals for cleansing and, and wash this way and wash that way? And what, You say, what is that? Because the flesh and the soul were united. All right? That's why he says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be what? All right. Question. Does that sound like your New Testament salvation at all? You know what you have? You have the righteousness of Christ on you. You don't have your righteousness on you. All right. Look at uh, verse number 21. But if the wicked will turn away from all his sins he has committed and keep all my what? That's law, guys. That's not New Testament. Uh, keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful. Why does he say lawful? He's talking about the law. And right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. All his transgressions he hath committed, uh, they shall not be mentioned to him. In whose righteousness? That is not the New Testament position at all. Now, do you see the problem with this setup? The problem is it's, it's how most, it's how people who don't understand eternal security, it's how they think salvation works. It's how, and I'm not picking on any groups, but I know I've got Catholic family I love very dearly. It's how many of them think it works, where I'm saved and I'm not, then I'm saved and I'm not. You say, why? Because it's based on what I do. And, and listen, under the Old Testament law, that's the setup. It's not the same salvation that you have, though. It wasn't that they got saved and born again and then they lost it. You can't do that because that's, that's impossible. Thank God it is, all right, because God separates your flesh from your soul. Uh, but what you need to understand is this. Under that setup, Ezekiel 18, all right, they that did good, it's 100% true under the law. There's a, a shift over here because of what Jesus, if, if he never comes, boy, we're in trouble, <laughs> all right? Uh, the idea, look at James chapter number two. The idea is this, uh, we're not under that covenant. We should thank God we're not under that covenant, all right? Look at James chapter number two, James chapter two. Oh, man, I didn't know Annabelle was here, all right. Sweet. James chapter number two. She's going to grow up going, who is that ugly guy yelling all the time, mom? Uh, James chapter two. Look, if you would, at uh, verse number, let's see here. Oh, yeah. Verse number uh, 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Now, before I read anything else, I just I want to keep in mind. Uh, look at James. Keep your hand there. But look at James chapter one, verse one. Because if we don't do that, somebody's are going to walk out of here going, well, you're kind of contradicting yourself. No, I'm not. I promise. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show you. Look at verse 1. Who's he talking to? Not you. This isn't Paul the Apostle to the church which is at Colossae and the faithful brethren and the saints and all that stuff. This is someone writing the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. That's not you. All right? Now, there are some practical things about wisdom and about the tongue and about uh, how to deal with people, with equity in the church, all kinds of neat things that are practical in nature that you can get from James. But when you look at doctrine, James is not for you. Uh, look at James 2 again, verse number 20. This is called rightly dividing the word of God, all right? Uh, verse uh, 21, was not Abraham our father justified by? When he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar. Now, you might remember Romans 4. That sounds completely different. Uh, now, question, before we read anything else, do you believe that? Do you believe what you just read? Okay, all right, look at, keep your hand there. And, uh, well, let, let's read verse number uh, 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was what? Imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Now, keep in mind this. 
Here's what's really weird about this whole scenario, okay? What you're looking at is an example of something that's even before the law, all right? But what, what the author James is trying to do is show you that under the Old Testament setup, there was faith in God, but the way you back up that faith and the way you justify yourself is by doing what you said that you believed about God. Uh, now, the, the difference, you say, well, that's kind of the same today in one sense, in one sense. If I say I believe on Jesus Christ, you know what the work is? The work, according to the Gospel of John and 1 John as well, the work is to believe on Him. That's it. it, it today, the only thing that's going to save me and justify me in the sight of God is believing on Him. And if I say I believe, in Je- I believe Him as my Savior, the only thing that stands as a barrier between me and Jesus is not me living the Christian life. It's me placing my faith 100% in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's it. All right. Now, back then, over here is different. Uh, look at, uh, keep your hand there, but look at Romans chapter 4. Did I lose anybody yet? If I lost you, I'm sorry. Uh, trying to make uh, uh, sense of this, because you're going to read some things that, uh, I'll, I'll say this, the Bible does not contradict itself. There are apparent contradictions in the Bible, but they're apparent. They look that way. They're not. Uh, Romans 4. Now, you know what Paul does? Paul comes at this from a completely different angle. You know why? Paul is talking about, New Testament salvation, not Old Testament salvation. And what Paul does, look at uh, uh, Romans 4, verse number uh, uh, 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath where to the glory, but not before God. Well, <sighs> Lord, you've you got to help me out here. What's the deal? I mean, these guys need to, you need to get Paul and James in the same room and go, you guys need to play nice. Like, what is going on here? You got, you, one, you, one guy says this, and one guy says this. Uh, but look what, keep reading. Look what it says, verse uh, 3. For what say the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. So let me ask you a question. When does Abraham believe God, and it's counted to him for righteousness? Anybody remember what chapter in the Bible that is? It's in Genesis. If you say Genesis, you got that part right. All right, I'll give you this. It's Genesis 15. Uh, uh, Abraham goes out, and we're going to learn about Abraham this morning. He goes, uh, what, how am I going to know that, that, that this is going to happen? You're going to give me land and, and a son and all that kind of stuff. And God says, he takes him out, and he shows him the stars of the sky. And he says, can you count these stars? He goes, no, sir. Okay, just like you can't count those stars, you won't be able to count your seed. And the Bible says Abraham believed God, and it was counted on him for righteousness. Now, when you get saved, when you got saved, you know what you did? You placed your faith on Jesus Christ. You believed on him, and guess what? You were counted righteous. You were given the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and that's what Paul was pointing out. Now, the difference is this, all right? The moment you were counted righteous, you were also simultaneously justified in the sight of God, not by the works of the law, but by the faith of Christ, Galatians chapter 2. The difference from the Old Testament uh, perspective is you could be counted righteous, but not justified because you haven't delivered on your part of what you said you would do based on your faith. Now, I know some of you are like, no, that's not right. That is right under the Old Testament. All right? That's what James is talking about in James chapter 2. James is saying, look, uh, by, by the way, he's counted righteous in Genesis 15. When does he offer up his son? How about 22? That's a whole bunch of years difference between the two. Do you realize when you got saved, it all happens at the same time? That's New Testament versus Old Testament. That's the difference. So if you don't get that, you're going to come out very confused when someone goes, yeah, well, faith without works is dead, and if you don't do the works, then you must not be saved. Anybody ever heard that before? 
All right, well, that's a bunch of hogwash. That's not biblical. That's not biblical from a New Testament perspective anyways. It's biblical from an Old Testament one. But guess what? That's the reason why. I, it's the same reason why if someone said that, I'd be like, all right, bring a sacrifice. Yeah. If you want to go down that road, where's your lamb? Where's your goat? Where's your pair of turtle doves? Where's this? Uh, you say, why? Because that's what they did under that kind of set. I don't, I'm so glad I'm not here. If someone wants to put themselves under that bondage again, knock yourself out, I'm over here right now. I've got liberty in Christ because of the grace of, of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, the reason I point all of that out, go back to John chapter number 5. John chapter 5. And, and I want you to get a hold of this. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Different judgment, different resurrection, different standard. You say, what's the standard in the New Testament? Well, it's not the law anymore. It's Jesus Christ. I appreciate, anybody ever heard of Ray Comfort and Way the Master and all that kind of stuff? I appreciate uh, what the guy does. Uh, goes off a little bit doctrinally. I think he gets real off in some ways. Uh, but as far as witnessing, there's some wisdom in showing people the law. It's your schoolmaster bringing you to Christ. Here's the problem, though. The law isn't the final standard for the New Testament. The final standard, you're not going to stand before the two tables of stone when you die if you're without Christ. You're going to stand in front of a person that died for you. And so what Christ is, is he's the fulfillment of the law in human form. And, th and that's why it says, in that day, God shall judge the secrets of men by that man, Jesus Christ. All right, John chapter 5, and notice verse number 24 one more time. John chapter 5 and verse number 24. And John is confusing this to the scholars, and the reason why it's confusing to the scholars is because uh, you'll find things in John that are absolutely kind of in par with the rest of the Gospels, very Old Testament feely, like verse 29, where it talks about doing good and the resurrection of life and then doing evil and the resurrection of damnation. And then you find verse 24, which is kind of a departure from that. Kind of like John 3, where it talks about being born again. Let me ask you, does Matthew mention being born again? Does Mark mention being born again? Does Luke mention being born? No, they don't. They, they don't have any of that stuff included in it. Uh, you know who mentions that? John. Now, keep in mind, when John writes John, when he writes the Gospel of John, all of Paul's letters have been written. So you know what John is doing? He's recording the actual words of Jesus Christ, and there were things that Matthew didn't get, and that Mark didn't get, and Luke didn't get, because when they were written, they were written right after the, the ministry of Christ, that, Paul, that, that John gets way later on, that the Lord said, how many times does the Lord say, understandest thou this? And they go, yeah, and they have no idea, right? Well, there were things that he said during his ministry that they didn't understand, and John extracts those things out. One of them is found in verse 24. Verily, verily, I say to you, he that heareth my word and believeth in him that sent me hath everlasting life. Man, that's a, that's a, you say, what is that? That's some faith right there. Um, that's very New Testament in the way that it sounds, and it is. Uh, look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Salvation is simple. Now, the Christian life can be complex. Uh, Christian life is, is uh, multi-layered and multifaceted, if you will. But man, salvation should... I don't, I don't believe that you ought to, to get someone saved, it does not take a doctrinal dissertation and running them through the Old Testament and running through all this stuff. Uh, there may be some people that you have to spend more time with, no doubt. And I'm not saying you ought to just say, uh, you know you're a sinner? Yeah. You know you're going to hell? Yeah. You know Jesus died for Yeah. You want to pray with me? Yeah. I'm not saying you should do that either. That's not right either. What I am saying is this, don't overcomplicate the gospel. It's very, very simple. All right, look at 1 John chapter 5. Look, if you would, at verse number 12. He, these are all one-syllable words. You ready? He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Well, how do you get them? Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith cometh by hearing, and a hearing by the word of God. 
uh, you are either in Adam or you are in Christ. And if you're trying to save yourself according to this, this way over here, you're in Adam. You say, what is that? It's a path of sin, death, wages of sin is death, and condemnation. You know what he says? Uh, you, you're, you will pass from condemnation unto life, from death unto life. Uh, uh, Colossians, look at Colossians chapter number uh, 1, Colossians 1. And by the way, the word translated is only found a few times in your Bible, and always uh, taking something from a worse state to a better state. Look at Colossians 1, Colossians 1, verse number 13. Colossians 1, verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear who? Son. So you know what? Listen, if you are in Adam, what you need is you need a translation. If you're trying to save yourself this way, you need a translation. You need to come from here over here. Because in Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, all die. But in Christ shall all be made alive. You know what you are in Christ? You're sinless, you have eternal life, and you are justified by faith plus nothing. All right? And so you say, what is that? Well, the Lord's just uh, dropping some New Testament bombs right there during his earthly ministry, some of which I'm not sure they completely understood. But if you want to, there's no, that that goes on for a long, a long, a lot of his ministry. In the next chapter in John 6, he talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and many of his disciples no more walk with him. Why? Because there's stuff they just couldn't wrap their mind around that if they had hung out just a little. By the way, there's a great lesson in that. When God does something in your life that just doesn't make sense, don't just, don't just depart. Just sit for a little bit and go, okay, Lord, doesn't make sense right now, but I'm going to keep following you. And I'll just pray that by faith, you're right, I'm wrong, whatever you said is right, and whatever is going on, you're, you're in charge, you, you got it, Lord. I'm just going to believe that you're right no matter what right now, and eventually I'll pray you show me what's right. I'll pray that you, and, and the old saying is when you're in it, you can't see it. I'm pretty confident when they were in this, man, they couldn't see everything. You got to get over here to see everything. And uh, I'm thankful I'm over here. <laughs> Uh, again, when you look at uh, what the Lord says in John about the resurrection of damnation, the resurrection of life, uh, uh, there, there's a reason he uses those terms. Look at Luke chapter 14. Brother, if you go to the next slide, please. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And it's called not just the resurrection of life and death, but also the resurrection of the just. Luke 14. And then we'll look at John chapter number 11. Luke chapter 14, verse number 14. And thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the what? You know what that is? That's the same thing. Look at John chapter 11. It's the same exact thing that the Lord talks to uh, uh, Martha about in John chapter 11. Remember when Lazarus dies? And uh, you know, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And I love the fact that both sisters, without colluding with each other or saying anything, they both say the same thing to the Lord. And it just goes to show you human nature is just human nature, man. When the Lord doesn't show up when we expect Him to and things don't go the way that we want them to, it's almost like, Lord, if you'd been here, Lord, if you, and the Lord was actually, He's more there than you realize. He's more there than you realize. Uh, he knew what was going on with Lazarus. He knew he'd been dead for four days. Uh, John chapter 11. Uh, look, if you would, at, uh, oh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, verse number 21. Then said Martha to Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. You know what I like about that? She's just kind of, now ladies, I mean this as a compliment. You have a way of saying things where it's kind of like, okay, 
I think I know what you're saying. <laughs> you know, she doesn't ever tell him, Lord, I really wish you just raised him from the dead. Right? Does she say that? She just says, Lord, I know that uh, whatever you ask of God, he'll give it you. Right? And that's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. Uh, look at verse number uh, 23. Jesus said to her, thy brother shall rise again. Okay, well, what's he talking about? Not the rapture. Look at uh, verse 24. Martha said to him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the what? This is it right here, guys. This is the last day right here. Right? The great white throne judgment. That's it. And so they understood that from the Old Testament perspective. They were looking for that. It's all this right here that didn't make any sense to them, and they wouldn't have known anything about it. This is what is revealed to the Apostle Paul and the, and the other apostles as well. So the idea is, look, when you're reading stuff that looks kind of like it doesn't quite jive with what you believe about New Testament doctrine, uh, it's not because Jesus is confused. It's not because we need to rewrite the Bible. It's because things fit in different places at different times for a certain reason, all right? Uh, uh, look at uh, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation 20. And uh, then we'll kind of close out the Sunday school hour with one thought back from John chapter 5. Revelation chapter 20, look at verse number 5. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. You know what the, the thousand years being finished is? It's the end of the millennium. And after that, you have the great white throne judgment. Look at uh, verse number six. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. There's a resurrection of good and there's a resurrection of evil. And so you see that thought consistent all the way through from the Old Testament, all the way through the end where John writes about in Revelation. Now, uh, go back to John 5, John chapter 5, kind of beat that horse pretty good. John chapter 5. And look, if you would, at uh, oh, verse number, oh, let's see here. I think it's uh, 20, no, no, yeah, 26, 26. Uh, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son uh, to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and they shall come forth. They that have done good under the resurrection of life, they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is what? Uh, I want to just kind of close with this thought. The only way that you'll ever have the right kind of judgment, look at the rest of that verse, is by not pursuing your own agenda. The only way to have the right kind of judgment. All right, I'll give you an example. Um, you've got you've got family that's saying we're going to go in this direction, and maybe the Holy Spirit saying I want you to go in this direction, and you love your family, right? And you do anything for your family, right? Okay. Well, what do I do? You know, there's a way to actually go along with them, and still make it look like I'm being spiritual. Or I can just say, you know what, Lord, that's up to them and I won't judge them, but I already know what you've told me to do. You say, how do you make the right judgment? You don't do it based on your agenda. You don't do it based on what's convenient for you. You do it based on what God says. Uh, Look at Hebrews 5 and we'll wrap it up. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews 5. Now, the Lord is the perfect example of this um, because he submitted the Father's will and you know, he doesn't, he doesn't come to make himself, that's the weird thing about it. 
uh, John seeks to make him known. We're going to talk about different witnesses that the Lord has. Uh, and the apostles seem to uh, desire to make him known. And we desire to make him known. But when Jesus is here, you know, what he's, you know what he does? He wants to make the Father known. Isn't that wild? When he shows up, he's pointing people to the Father. And you say, what is that? That's the right attitude. And that's a, a struggle for us. We like to point people to ourselves. And let me just tell you right now, I'm not the standard for Christianity, neither are you. Uh, one of the messes that the brethren get in is when you start making yourself the standard. I'm going to give you kind of a silly example, but a couple years ago, uh, you know, if you had a projector in church, you were basically the Antichrist because you're using technology in church. Now, never mind you've got electricity flowing through the lights, and never mind you've got electricity in the sound system and everything else, but some brethren would go, well, that's just, that's not right because X, Y, Z. And really what that is is you're not doing it like I'm doing it, therefore you're wrong. And I'm going to tell you, you say, well, that's not the right kind of judgment. Uh, there's a time and a place to cast judgment. You need it, but you need to make sure it's right. Look at uh, Hebrews 5, and look at verse number thir- uh, Hebrews 5, yeah, verse 13. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's obeyed. But strong meat belong to them that are full aids, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and what? Evil. Well, the more you get in this book, and the more you allow yourself to be led by the Spirit of God, especially when you don't want to, uh, can I give you kind of a silly illustration, and I'll wrap it up? Uh, I've got a weird deal going on with my sciatica, and, and it, welcome to old age, whatever, you know. I've got something going on there, and it get, when I wake up in the morning, uh, it, it started happening about a month or so ago. I did something, I tweaked it the wrong way, did, didn't do something right, I don't know what I did. You know, my wife said, you didn't use your core, you should use your core, whatever. I was, you know, doing whatever and hurt myself, and, and, and so ever since then, every once in a while, I kind of just feel this, like, super stiff, and I'll wake up like I did this morning. And you know what the thought is? By nature, the thought is, well, if I move more, it's going to hurt more. But guess what I need to do? And you know what you convince yourself of? Oh, I can't move. I can't move. No, the worst thing you could do is be still. You better move or it's going to get worse and worse and worse and tighten up to where when you sit down, you can't get back up. Anybody ever been there before? All right. Well, let me tell you something. The best thing to do is move. You say, what is that? That goes against what you, your first thought is. Your first rational thought is, I got to do this. And it's just like that in the, in the Christian life. You think, I got to go in this direction. The Holy Spirit's like, no, let's go over here. You say, what is that? That's not leaning on your own understanding. You say, what do you do? You lean on His. You get in that book and you pray and you say, Lord, would you give me light that I don't have in myself? Because I don't want to fulfill my will and my agenda. Lord, I want to fulfill yours. And when you do that, you know what God will do? He'll show up. The Lord's faithful to do that. All right? Hope that's a help to you. Let's all stand. We'll have a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed to our next hour. Brother Joe, if you'd ask God's blessing, we just learned.